You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you're challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series, Books and Movies. Now looking at The Hunger Games. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. Thank you for listening to this lesson on The Hunger Games. A few years ago, Suzanne Collins launched her first novel in the series, which was called The Hunger Games. It was followed by Catching Fire and then Mockingjay. When the first book came out, our youngest, who at that time was a junior in high school, uh, put me onto it. She said, Daddy, I think you may like this. And I picked it up and It was easy to read, it's interesting, it pulls you in, and I did read it, and the second volume, and in fact, all three. And so when the uh, motion picture was released in 2012, I was lining up to see it, and I'm glad I did. It's such an important work, and I think as spoken so clearly to the younger generation today, that I will remind you now and at the end of the podcast to become familiar with this if you're not. What's the basic idea? Well, it's set in the future. It looks like it's set in the United States, but it's about three-quarters of a century after a failed coup d'etat. There's a corrupt government, and a popular uprising fails to overthrow it. And in retaliation... This totalitarian state now has this uh, blood sport. Well, they call it the Hunger Games. Each of the 12 districts volunteers, and I would put the word volunteers in quotation marks, um, a young girl and boy uh, between age 12 and 18 to participate in this fight to the death. Just as in the ancient Roman Empire, it is a distraction. Have you heard of bread and circuses? This was how the uh, Roman uh, emperors kept the people under control. It, It was a way of distracting them from the fact that they really didn't have freedom. They weren't living the life that they really would have liked to live. And it's not until the third book in the series that uh, this uh, parallel becomes explicit. Because the name of the world is Panem. Well, Panem is the accusative form of the Latin word Panus, which is bread. And there was a satirist uh, around the turn of the uh, first, second century named Juvenal. And he came up with this phrase. He coined the phrase Panus et Circenses. And so Panem is simply named after this Latin phrase, bread and circuses, which was how the empire kept the masses satisfied. Give them a bit of hope, a bit of distraction, although it was quite violent. I would say the the book is kind of a combination, when you think of this, um, this evil empire, this totalitarian state, a combination of the United States and ancient Rome, uh, Big Brother, think of George Orwell, and even the uh, society in, in Britain portrayed in V for Vendetta. Very gripping, uh, very concerning. And, and one thing I like about it, it's told from the perspective of the protagonist. Her name is Katniss Everdeen, and Katniss uh, tells her story in all three books. I want to 
uh, point out what I see are some of the biblical themes because, in fact, there are a number of spiritual overtones. And then I will uh, end up with a few reasons I think you should read this book. Well, there are many uh, great themes. One, of course, is the theme of war and peace, or biblically, we should really say this, the theme of peace. Asking ourselves, what sort of society finds violence amusing? In the Hunger Games, uh, every aspect of this blood sport is broadcast. There are cameras everywhere. And these specially designed and, and extremely violent games. And this is brought uh, thus to all 12 districts. Everyone's able to watch as the volunteers, called tributes, are, uh, are killed as they eliminate each other. Is it really that different to our society today? And what do you do with verses in the Bible, like the one that says, I hate violence, and that's God speaking? Hmm. Another uh, biblical theme, of course, is hope. So uh, the first one, peace or, or war. War is not really the way to settle things. Hope. It's a powerful theme, and it's what, in fact, keeps uh, Katniss and, and the other good guys going. Vanity. The shallowness of the masses in these 12 districts and the really ranked a number of economic prosperity, we see greater and greater shallowness as you move towards the capital district, as you move towards the number one. Walking out of the cinema, I felt actually that Atlanta is similar to District 1. It's nice here. It, it not, maybe not quite as gaudy as, it would, as what was portrayed in the book, but I think there's uh, quite a parallel. When you look at District 12, if you're in the United States, you might think of Appalachia. I think of many of the poor countries I travel to in the world. And they may, you know, we might say, well, I'm not that wealthy. I live here. Someone else lives there. But when you're in a poor country, it's hard to even be clear on what those distinctions are distinctions are. All the people in the first world look very, very wealthy. And the, the book and the movie uh, do a very good job of uh, parodying the shallowness of the masses and of the political powers, the shallowness and the vanity. They spend so much time, so much attention making themselves up, not just with makeup and hair and clothes, but uh, the way they speak, everything is affected. This is a very important biblical truth. And that is that truth itself exposes vanity. Light exposes darkness. The truth also exposes the manipulation, the hypocrisy, the self-interest of human powers. Uh, that many of the names are, are, are very, um, let's say, transparent in this uh, Hunger Games. And the president is named Snow, as in Snow Job. <laughs> He's President Snow. He actually, I think, does a really good job in the film and he's certainly a very detestable character, though he's one of the few who's, who's actually uh, honest, uh, like Katniss, the protagonist. So vanity is a big theme. And I, I think for those of us who live in the more privileged parts of the world, uh, we shouldn't look at the Hunger Games and just think it's a story. We should realize that, that we're indicted as well. Rich and poor, the theme of social justice, compassion, and the importance of action, not just feeling. We might say we care about other people, but if we're not involved in their lives, sharing the truth with them, sharing Christ with them, then that's an empty claim. 
Maybe one of the most obvious biblical themes is that of sacrificial love. Because originally, Katniss's little sister was selected in this lottery by which they determined the, the volunteers. And Katniss had already promised to always love her and protect her. And she takes her place, uh, almost certainly going to her death as a result. Sacrificial love. It's easy to see a bit of a Christ theme there. As far as leadership, though, Katniss, I think, is more like Moses than Jesus. She's powerful. I mean, uh, she portrays a, a teenage girl who's definitely an underdog. She's authentic, but she rises up. She decides to do what's right. She's smart. She thinks on her feet. Very powerful figure, like Moses. But the reason I say more like Moses than Jesus is that Moses was a, a, a military figure. Uh, Jesus clearly took a very different path. And so I think she's more of a Moses. She's completely engaged. She has a mother who's, uh, well, when, when the father died, the mother just checked out emotionally. So this mother is, is not fully competent, let's say, in an emotional way, and she, is, she has a tendency to retreat into her own world. Well, the example of her uh, daughter, Katniss, is a night and day contrast. And there are points where Katniss actually tells her mother, lectures her, not in a disrespectful way, but, but tells her, you can't check out. You have to be involved here. I think that's excellent too, because we can buy into the lives of the world. We can realize uh, that, that true freedom is what God offers, but we're numbed by the false freedoms the world offers. And we can check out. And, and many Christians, I think, actually are checked out, not really involved in the work of the Lord. They've come more as spectators. And there are also a number of other minor biblical allusions. And let me just mention one, the fact that there were 12 districts in Panem, 12. There were actually 13, but one of them was destroyed. So that 13 minus one motif, <laughs> quite biblical too, wouldn't you say? So does this glorify war? I actually wanted to know what other people thought. I went to a number of websites and some people condemned this, uh, the series for its violence and others said, no, that's not fair. Some said it glorifies war. Some said it doesn't. I, I think actually the Hunger Games exposes it. And there's a, uh, a quotation I would like to share. I mean, it hit me certainly, um, progressively. I, I didn't realize when I first started reading it, oh, this is a, an expose. You know, it's really about um, my country and, and our culture. But what is implicit becomes explicit as the series moves along. And let me just read a, a, a snippet from uh, near the end of the, the third book. I, and this is Katniss, I no longer feel any allegiance to these monsters called human beings. Because something is significantly wrong with a creature that sacrifices its children's lives to settle its differences. You can spin it any way you like. But in the end, who does it benefit? No one. The truth is, it benefits no one to live in a world where these things happen. Well, in that selection... She's reflecting back on everything that's happened and realizes not only that 
it's ineffective and wrong and immoral to just kill each other for, for economic benefit, but that it's especially perverse to sacrifice the lives of youth to settle the difference. And I think it was at that point when I was reading Mockingjay, page 377, it hit me. That's exactly what happens in Congresses and parliaments. Old people make decisions in their economic best interest or those of their supporters that require the sacrificing of the lives of young people. And in that uh, moment, as I read, I realized, wow, what a powerful expose of the futility and the vanity of war. And I think this is why many people interpret this as a bit of an anti-war piece. I'm not sure that's the number one theme, but it might be. It's certainly a very powerful theme. Well, why should you watch or read The Hunger Games? Well, first, we must understand what younger people are being exposed to. You'd say, yeah, but, you know, I'm older. I'm 40 or I'm 60 or... Lord forbid, I'm 80, and I say Lord forbid because I think the older we are, the more interested we should be in what all generations are involved in. Put it this way. If you work with teen ministry, you're involved in youth ministry or campus ministry, you work with young people, or perhaps you are a parent or a grandparent or a significant uncle or aunt in other people's lives, uh, this is really good. Not only because it helps us understand what the younger people are watching, uh, but it gives us uh, an in to their thinking, what they find compelling, what they find persuasive. And that leads to my second reason that we should uh, read these books. It's an easy conversation starter for evangelism. Whenever a new book or film comes out for a period of weeks, sometimes months or longer, depending on the quality, uh, the, the conversations that can be generated at these times, um, are multitudinous. And I think I read somewhere that the first weekend the film came out, it was more than $150 million in gross. That's pretty impressive. That means a lot of people are thinking. And to latch on to some of the biblical allusions or the Christian themes, and if you haven't read it now, I hope that'll give you uh, lenses through which to read the book. Uh, this will enable us to have better conversations. Oh, I can think of a third reason uh, that you should read, and that's, it's interesting. And fourth, that the, the message on the whole is wholesome. It's healthy. I'm not saying I'm endorsing um, everything in the book or all the violence. I didn't say that. But it, it's a good message. It's interesting. An easy conversation starter for evangelism. And it gives us an insight into the heart of the younger generation. And any way that we can find to open doors or should we say open windows for the proclamation of the gospel, um, I think we need to take. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's series on books and movies. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.